Ladies and gentlemen, sit back, relax. I am Podcast Poppy, and you are tuned into a brand new episode of Quarter Life Crisis, starting right now. Today's episode is sponsored by Megan Jones' candle business called Kelly Cake Candles. She has candles and wax melts made by 100% soy wax, glass jars that you can reuse, and eco-friendly shipping material. You can find her on Facebook at Kelly Cakes Candles. All right, three, two, one. We're live. Welcome we, to the show. We're live on S- Quarter Life Crisis right now. Special guest, Madison Riccio. In the flesh. In the flesh. How you Riccio, doing? wow, you said it right. Incredible. Yeah, Riccio. Well, I, I cheated. Yeah. Because uh, he thought it was. Re- what did you think it was? Riccio. Uh, Riccio. Everyone thinks it's Riccio. Riccio. Or Rico, Madison Rico, and then uh, they're like, "Why are you white?" I thought. <laughs> I thought Riccio because I thought it was. It's Italian, obviously. Yeah, right? it's yeah, Italian. Yeah. I thought it was Italian, so I thought it was Riccio. Riccio Italiano. Riccio, like Tony Sprigliani. I'm man. a fake Italian, you know. It's okay. It is what it is. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Happy We're to be here. We're such a longtime friends. It's been too long. It's been way back in the good old Wing Wednesday Imperial days, baby. <sighs> yeah, I, it breaks my heart every time I see, well, every time I drive by that it's closed. I think they're opening up some weird like Korean barbecue place or something. Is it? It's like something seventy six. Kind of weird. Oh yeah, yeah. No, the Korean barbecue place is gone. It's yeah. When I first got back, it was a Korean barbecue place, and now it's. It looks like it's a club. You should start bouncing again. No, God, no. <laughs> No, I'm so violently retired from, <laughs> from bouncing. That sounds exhausting. I want to skip the line though. So it was fun when I yeah, <laughs> fucker. <laughs> it was fun when I was in shape, like roughing up like frat boys Little and shit. Little skinny was fun, white boys. Yeah. I also I don't think I have the tolerance for drunk people anymore. No, drunk people are really annoying. Yeah, I know. And like, yeah, I just couldn't do it. I bartend on the side, and um, my tolerance. I used to be super nice and you know friendly with all the drunk people and now i just give them the nastiest look yeah time for you to get out yeah it's it's tough dude like it's you know sometimes it's funny and sometimes it's fun but then also like when you go to work you feel like you're at work yeah you know in those days it's like fuck you dude yeah you have a breaking point for sure or like when someone's like genuinely trying to be nice drunk and you just don't like they're so blacked out yeah they just want to talk to you like can you please get away from me i don't want to talk to you i don't want to entertain you you don't make any sense. Just like starts venting about yeah. their life. I'm just like, yeah, this is. <laughs> the drunk girl crying when you're trying to like break up a fight. Oh, I've had that. I've yeah, had I'm that. sure. I've had like. I've seen it. I've been like checking IDs or like working the door when there's a line and a girl <laughs> will just be fucking belligerent. I kicked her out of the, the <laughs> bar. So now that she's out of the bar, like I can't do anything to her. Right. So she can stand right outside the bar, like standing next to me, just like venting about her life. I'm like trying to steal these people's fucking money to Crying, cut the line. Yeah, yeah. just bawling. <laughs> and then it, thank you so much for being here and listening to me. I'm like, I literally have no choice. Girl, like, please I'm get away from me. Right here, you skank. You've trapped me <laughs> into this session of the Maury show. You skank. Just oh like pounding on the imperial window through her friends through the door. Yeah, that happened a lot too. This is a very interesting place. We had weird bouncers there. Like, so you're basically talking about me right now. You know that, right? Um, yeah, you were pretty bad. Yeah, I know. you were bad sometimes. You weren't like bad, bad, but you were. You know, you yeah. just got a lot of way. You got away with a lot of shit. Yeah, you know. Got to do what but you, you were do. also one of the people who tagged me as Drake. 
every time I saw you, oh my God, Drake. You'd be like at the bar and you'd be like, <gasps> is that Drake? And then you start to like walk towards me like, I literally know exactly what's about to happen right now. I'd be like, you know who you like, look like? And I'm like, give me, give me a shot, babe. Who, who, who do I possibly look like? Fucking Drake. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm making fucking $13 an hour right now, so I'm literally not Drake in any way, shape, or form. Hey, it worked, though. I'm here eight years later. Yeah, couldn't get away from the from the Drake spell. Quarter-life crisis. Now I'm fat Drake. Hey, you shouldn't talk about yourself like that. That's what they call me. You're husky Drake. <laughs> Fluffy Drake. Fluffy Drake. You're quarantine 19 Drake. This is true. I mean, I was fluffy before. Honestly, Drake gained weight, too. So. I was fluffy before quarantine. And now you're, hus- just like, just now you're husky. Now I'm, yeah, now I'm quite husky. Beard's looking good though. Big wolf. Nice and trimmed up. Thank you. So uh, when did you leave? Uh, when did you leave Reno? Um, I moved out of Reno when I was 18, which is crazy because I had known you for a couple years already by then. Um, I moved out when I was 18, and I moved to San Diego. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the first time I met you at Imperial, I must have been 16 or maybe 17. But he doesn't need to know that. My fake ID was legitimate. Yeah, I would never let in uh, minors. He's good at his job, okay? I would never socialize with minors <laughs> in or out of the bar. That would You be, will not fraternize with minors. Correct, correct. Um, anyways, so you went to San Diego when you were 18. Yes, and I was there for four years. Why'd you go to SD? Um, I had a cousin that lived there at the time. Mm-hmm. I just needed a little break from Reno. It was, you know, biggest little city in the world at the time. Yeah, for sure. And I just wanted something a little bit bigger, a little bit more exciting. Um, And I just wanted a break, wanted to be at the ocean. And San Diego was the funnest place to go at the time. Yeah. And I did party my ass off down there. Let me tell you what. For four years? (laughs) Four years straight. 18 to 23. Yeah. I'm 23, 19. That's That's when you can do it. Like when I was was at Humboldt, I was 18 to 20. I mean, it's a perfect age. It's the yeah. perfect age to do that because you don't have as much responsibility. You don't have as bad of hangovers. Yeah, exactly. I know I'm 23 now. I, I'm hungover for like two days straight. Yeah. It's I not mean, even worth it. Just wait. I'm almost 30 and I like fall into like deep depressions. Okay. Everyone kept saying just wait and now I'm 23 and I feel like you there's can, no way it can get worse than this. Oh, it will. I'll deep tell you that right now. Spiraling depressions like, for two days. Like you're like people who just like have a couple glasses of wine at, <laughs> at dinner and they're like having a great time and that's them drinking. Like it turns into that pretty quick. Oh my God. Yeah, I don't think I can handle if the hangovers get any worse. I might have to go sober. You'll just, uh, I've thought about it. Yeah, right. For sure. I'm dead serious. Really? Yeah, it's tough for you. Dude, it's like, it's like mentally challenging when you get, like when you get older or you, or like whether you're older or younger, if you have really bad hangovers, you get like it's a it's a depressant like you get super depressed. Like you like do not feel after. good about your yeah. life or yourself. Yeah, or you ever anything. woke up like so fucking hungover where you feel like you're having like this epiphany moment? You're like, oh my god, I need to quit my job. I need to move. Like, oh, what yeah. am I doing? I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I I have to get out. Like I'm fucking up. I like, need to break up. Hates break me. up with my boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell my parents I can't talk to them anymore. Yeah, that that shit happens. Sunday scaries, baby. Those that are a real happens. things. I used to uh, I used to work the preload and Sundays were like my off day. And I used to get fucking white girl wasted on Sundays. Like mimosas was my shit. shit. Bottomless baby. Yes, bottomless mimosas. Still my shit. I still do. I mean, champagne fucks me up the next day, but it's you can't beat bottomless. Does it, does it make you cry? Do mimosas make me cry? Champagne makes me cry like a baby. 
Wait, what? I know. Isn't that weird? Like you get really emotional. Like you drink nothing champagne? makes me cry. I'm like a hard ass bitch, right? Mm, uh, <laughs> give me, give me five mimosas. Tears. Really? Tears. Over anything? Nothing. Or you just get into your. I'll own just head. be like sitting at the table with like we'll be doing bottomless. You'll look over. I'll just be crying. In your own feels. I'll smile at you. There's tears running down my face. What? That's <laughs> yeah, crazy. That's intriguing. Champagne. I think it's the bubbles. You know, girls. I know. I'm sure there's some girls listening to this right now. I think that might be a, an us thing. Let me know if you cry when you drink champagne. Send me a DM so I don't feel like a lonely loser. Yeah, maybe I haven't noticed. I, I haven't, I haven't got bottomless mimosas with any females who just start crying. Yeah, I guess maybe that's just me. Like, are you still happy while you're crying? Yeah, no. Like, I'll be having a conversation with you. We're good. Or smiling. Just tears. Right. Yeah. And the tears are triggered by emotions. Yeah, I think so. You're just in your own. Maybe feels. they just come out because I, I suppress them when I'm not, you know, drunk on champagne. So. Jesus, this sounds like a whole nother episode. We well, should do. We can do an episode and we can get bottomless mimosas here. Oh my God, that would be so fun. That sound, doesn't sound like it'd be fun for you. I'm just going to be crying. Podcast poppy therapist session. Yes. Hell yeah. Yes. Let's get to the bottom of my problems. It's, I mean, it's a quarter life crisis. Yeah. It's about, it's about right. I love it. Yeah, it's right on spot. So now you are newly into the real estate game. Yes, I've had my license for, I've been, you know, in school for it and training and learning for about a year, but I've had my license for about a month now. And how long have you been back in Reno? Um, I moved back in quarantine. So San Diego, California, they shut that bitch down. Right, right. I mean, I was, I don't even know what I would have done if I stayed there. I mean, it's just, it's just starting yeah. to open back up. I mean, granted, I made decent money on unemployment, but mm. it was just, you couldn't even barely leave the house. The right. grocery stores, everything was, it was kind of scary, honestly. That was before we all kind of knew that it wasn't that, you know, Right. I mean, it's a big deal. I shouldn't say it's not a big deal, but that. But absolutely, at the front end, there was, there was not a lot of data, and people thought that it was going to be much worse than it was. Oh, like zombie apocalypse! Like people boarding up their windows and shit. Like right. this was not a joke. It's, I mean, it's there's still a lot of places in California that are still like that. Yeah, I know. And so me and my sister, I lived with my sister down there. Um, we just decided we had to get out before it was too late. Right. And we did get out just in time because then all the protesting started happening and, mm. and shit got pretty wild down there for a minute. Yeah. So um, we moved back, I guess it's been about a year now, April. Yeah, or March, end of March. So did you start this process of, of like getting into real estate before you moved back? So I had been thinking about it in San Diego. Um, the thing about real estate is it's really a who you know and who trusts you and who loves you referral type business. Really? And I had friends in San Diego, but they were, you know, my party, college, right, right. bartender. Nobody's buying houses and shit. No, of course not. And real estate in California is a hell of a lot more expensive. Well, it used to be at least. Right. Um, oh, I'm pretty sure it still is. Yeah, it is. But yeah. um, none of the people that were in my circle were buying a house in the next 20 years. Right, right. So we were all just bartending having fun. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I thought about it down there, but I was like, it's going to be a lot more work trying to market myself and get people to kind of respect me as a professional, mm -hmm. especially after they all know me as their local drunk bartender. Right, right. Accurate. Yeah. So <laughs> I, uh, I moved back and I started going to school. I went to Team CC. There's actually a lot of different programs you can do. Mm -hmm. You can do eight-week programs or you can go to college. I went to Team CC for it. Right. Um, Is there like a lot of online stuff, independent places that you can go? Like no, what? it's all online. It's all online. Yeah. I mean, I think before COVID, the Team CC classes might have been in person. Right. But besides that, there's the programs are pretty easy. It's yeah. like Cap. There's one that's like Kaplan, and I think they're like eight weeks or so. Mm -hmm. I did two full semesters at Team CC online, though. Oh, okay. So you were saying that the the schooling isn't like the taxing part, right? It's the the test that you have to 
yeah. test that you have to take. I mean, you think the schooling's taxing when you're in it, and that's cute. It's <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> I really wish I was still in the schooling <laughs> part. I remember waking up and being like, oh, I don't want to do this, you know, homework today or whatever. I wish I was still doing homework because right. that's the easy part. That's mm. the part that you have to put the least into. Mm. Um, the test is really, really hard. If anyone out there is thinking about getting their real estate test mm. or their real estate license, the test is... I mean, you need to know the law really well. I feel like a lot of people, I feel like it's a pretty, uh, not compacted like a field of work, but there's a lot of people who try to go into real estate. For sure. People think it's going to be easy, I think. What were some of the biggest like surprises going through the process? Um, I think I kind of had the mindset, you know, like everyone else did. You know, real estate is really quick, easy, large amounts of money. Right. Um, and that couldn't be the farthest thing from the truth. Right. It is the stigma of like just fucking flipping houses. Everyone's divorced stepmom, you know, gets the real estate license and right. you know, is able to support themselves. And you can, don't get me wrong, make really good money doing real estate. Um, but you have to put so much work into it, especially if you want to be good at your job. Right. And there's so many bad real estate agents out there that if you want to be good, you have to put the time in for the right schooling, the right programs. Um, and make sure that you actually know what you're doing so you don't open people up to, you know, litigation and liability if you right. screw up their contract. Right. So I would say that I was surprised by how much training I needed and how much I didn't really understand about the home buying and selling process. Yeah. Are you happy that you didn't get your license in California like you're not doing this in, in California? You know, I kind of wish I would have got it in California. Um, because California is so much like... Because California is so much more expensive, does that make it a better market or a worse market? Or does that kind of depend on what you're chasing? It's a different market. I wouldn't say it's maybe better or worse. Right. I mean, of course, property prices are a lot higher, so commission prices are a lot higher. Oh, that's fair. There's also a lot more competition. I'm, I can't even say the number of agents that are in California. I'm sure it's in the 50,000. Right. There's only 2,000 real estate agents in Reno. Really? Yeah. There's a lot more in Vegas. I think there's 22,000 in Vegas. So the competition is a lot bigger. Also, the law in California is a lot different. So A lot different as like stricter, more lenient. It kind of depends. No, it's definitely stricter. There's a lot, you know, the state taxes is a huge thing for people. Um, But I still could get my license in California if I wanted to um, sell in Tahoe, which Mm -hmm. I do at some point. Um, it's also really expensive to have your license in California. Right. Way more expensive than it is to have it in Nevada. So, so is this some, is, are you paying for your license like monthly, yearly? How does that work? Oh, everybody, it's so expensive to be a real estate agent. Is it? <laughs> oh, yeah. So you have to pay, of course, you have to sign up with a brokerage. People don't, I think right. people think you can do it on your own. You can't. Can't just be like an independent. Yeah, no. You know. And not unless you want to get your broker's license, which right. is a whole new level. Right. Um, but... So you sign up with your brokerage, which is hundreds of dollars, and then you also pay your brokerage 30%. Oh! 30% of every sale. <laughs> that's, that's I mean, I shouldn't say that for every brokerage. It's different, but that's my brokerage, 70-30. Um, and until you cap. And then there's MLS fees, um, registration fees. You have to sign up to be an actual like realtor, which is a couple thousand dollars. And um, there's all different kinds of fees and stuff that go into it. And you don't get paid until you close a deal. Right. So you're kind of just. <laughs> so the thirty percent you don't have to give up um, until you close a deal. No, yeah. So the seventy thirty percent. That's is, purely that's your commission. commission split. Yeah. Okay. So if you don't close any deals, you're not paying it. Now, what do you have to pay? Do you have to pay something like annually to keep your license, or once you get it, you got it? No, no. You there's like 
training that you have to do every year. Every two years, you have to renew your license. Um, there's like probably about a thousand dollars in fees that you would pay at the beginning of the year every year to remain a realtor. Every year. Uh huh. And you pay fees every month um, to have access to MLS and, um, you know, just the Association of Realtors. And, yeah, there's always fees. So what does, like, an entry-level realtor pay a month to hold on to their license So and have access to the things that you need to be successful? I think that um, – so there's a bunch of startup fees. That's mm-hmm. where it's pretty big. Right. Obviously, you have to pay for the schooling, the programs, which that can be anywhere from – a thousand to twenty five hundred, depending on the program that you do. Yeah. What did you hit at like your intro, like all your startup fees? Yeah. What do you? What was your? What were your? What was your approximate? I'm probably um, schooling included, licensing, MLS fees, realtor association, brokerage fees. I'm probably at about three, that thirty five hundred right now. Okay. And I've only had my license for a month, so that's gonna go. Um, substantially up from there. <laughs> <laughs> also, I've probably put in. I don't know. In the past month, I probably put in 200 hours mm-hmm. of work. Um, no, you don't get paid for a penny of it. Damn. Not until you close the deal. Right. So, so is so. How do like? Can you all? You only can start up. A lot of people who are starting up a realty, they got different jobs and side jobs and stuff like that. Yeah, but of it course. sounds like you have to commit a lot of time to be successful or to build your to build your repertoire and your you know what I mean and, and your network. Absolutely. I mean, they say that. I mean, most realtors start with another job. Mm-hmm. I would say almost all of them. Right. Um, and most realtors intention is to move to being full time. Right. Um, it's really hard to be moved to being a full time realtor because if you don't close deals, you don't make money, you don't have backup, you could lose everything. Right. Um, it's a very hit or miss type job. A lot of people do their other jobs, full time jobs for, you know, the first couple of years. And of course they're not going to be as successful in real estate because you do have to put hours and hours and hours and right, hours right. into it. I'm lucky enough that I have a job, I'm a bartender, um, that I work at night and I work, I don't work super long hours and I make enough money to support myself. Right, right. And then I can give a full 40 hours a week to real estate. That's dope. Yeah. It's a rare, especially during COVID, right? Because food and beverage was not booming for a whole year. Yes. So if that was, if like people who had that niche yeah. didn't really have it. No, absolutely. And you know, as a real estate agent, you're independently employed, so you pay the taxes oh my god the taxes yeah unreal really and does that help you but doesn't that help you at the end of the year with your tax return if you are smart about it no you don't get a tax return really you pay the government because if you think about it like this when you work at a you know nine to five and you work hourly you get a w-2 they're automatically pulling that stuff out of your hourly you don't even think about it right when you're a real estate agent you get big chunks of money from you know the seller Mm -hmm. and that's not taxed so you have to keep hold of or keep track of all the money that you come in right. and do quarterly taxes where you pay the government. Mm-hmm. If you don't, at the end of the year, you end up owning an uh, absurd amount of yeah, money. Yeah. And they just pop into that account, yank that shit out. Yeah. And you get fees and Damn. all kinds of stuff if you don't do it quarterly and stay on top of it. So there are a lot. Do you, I mean, there's got to be a lot of people who, who don't pay attention and they're like man i've just made all this money this year and then they come to the end of the year and it's oh like, and they're hey, screwed you owe us a fucking a ton yeah. of money and realtors get audited all the time yeah because it's obviously a very auditory profession where they know that we pay our own taxes so mm-hmm. of course they're going to come for us right is it a is it a is it an industry where it's where fraud is very easy to to do you know i'm sure that there's been plenty of realtors who have tried to kind of scoot around the taxes somehow um i don't know if i would necessarily say it would be easy but there's definitely ways right um you know you could referrals and all kinds of stuff 
I would say it's definitely smartest to not mess with it because yeah. you can almost guarantee as a realtor that you're going to get audited at some point. Damn. Um, and then you end up being really screwed. And then you end up, you know, the liability of losing your license. Right. You know, if you're messing around with that, they're very, very strict about who's allowed to have a license in Nevada. And it's really easy to lose it if you break the law, if you commit fraud, if you embezzle anything like that it's right. super super big deal are there a lot of people who lose it by mistake like they're not maliciously trying to do it and they just fuck up and and then that's, get their license yanked that's funny that you asked that because there's literally like two different laws there's like malicious intent and mm -hmm. non-malicious intent right uh yeah you can definitely still lose your license if you do something bad enough but they're a little more lenient with non-malicious yes, intent sure okay. for sure like and there's like you're a fucking idiot yeah. pay a fine yeah and pay a big old fine and learn. and do two years of classes and then get back into it so read, read a fucking book yeah literally god forbid but there's tons of post um licensing education courses that you have to take it's super easy for your license to expire or lose it You've got to stay on top of it. You have to know exactly the courses you have to take, what time frame you have to take them in. Jesus. Um, yeah, it's a lot. So if you're not organized, you should probably not do it. No. And I'm like, <laughs> have been struggling to get organized because in the beginning, I don't think you realize how much it's going to be. Right, right. Like you get a hundred emails from your broker of things that you have to get done mm -hmm. or you're going to lose your license or it's going to expire or you're not going to be able to buy and sell homes properly. Um, so... Staying organized was definitely one of the hardest things for me in the beginning. But you figure it out. Right. It's on a curve like anything else. Now, when you go and you're, you know, as you go further and you're like meeting with buyers and things like that, like, do you have, like, you're talking about staying organized. Like, do you have assistance on how to like prep for these meetings and things like that? Or is that just all schooling and then they just kind of like, good luck out there? Or does your brokerage help you? Like, you know what I mean? Like, when you sit down with your, like, what was your first sit down meeting like? Like, so buyers' consultations and listing consultations with actual like, homeowners and sellers yeah. and buyers and stuff yeah yeah so it's so funny because the actual schooling part of being a real estate agent doesn't help you with that at all really no you're learning strictly law in real estate school and you know how to do the right procedures but you're not learning how to deal with people at all right that's why signing up with the right brokerage is so critical so that you get the right training um and I'm lucky my brokerage is really, really amazing. I'm with Keller Williams, Group One. Mm -hmm. um, shout out Keller Williams. Shout group out Keller one. Williams, Group One. <laughs> the training that they implemented for me, it's going to make me be a successful agent. Without right. that training, I wouldn't have been able to because it's, none of it's about the stuff you learn in school. It's all about how you deal with people. Do you think? Do you think that? Uh, do you think that the school should should tap into the engagement aspect of it, or is there just so much law and so much so many analytics to it that the schooling should teach you those things, and then you go out and Take the next step of the brokerage. You know, it's kind of like if you think about public elementary school or high school, like should they have taught us how to do our taxes? Should they have taught us how to change a tire? <laughs> That's fair. Should they have taught us how to, you know, put <laughs> a like diaper a on a baby? A Probably. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Get a credit card. God forbid. That's fair. It's like half of my friends still don't have credit cards. Right. They don't have credit. We don't even know. They don't even know what credit is. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that the school should be a little bit more in depth, just like I think all school kind of should be yeah, yeah. on how to actually deal with life. That's true. And not just, you know, knowledge points. Mm -hmm. But it also kind of goes to show as a real estate agent, how much do you want to put into it? Right, right. It kind of weeds out weeds out the ones who uh Listen to this statistic. Okay. 89% of real estate agents stop being real estate agents after the first two years. Damn, 89%. So there's 2,000 in Reno. Yeah. I think it's two. I think it might be 2,500 now. There, you know, it fluctuates, but around there. Damn. So 89% are not able to hack it because 
So there's probably been ten to 15,000 real estate agents in Reno in the last 10 years, but there's only 2,000 still running. Oh, at least. There was like Trippy. a couple hundred people in my real estate class. Yeah. Right? A couple hundred people, uh, you know, go get their license, do their licensing tests. They, they think the easy or they think the hard part is getting your license. Right, right. The impossible part is being a good real estate agent and implementing, you know, these models that you can have business and people trust you and people know that you can do the best job for them. Or have the stamina to get to that point, right? Oh, yeah. I'm exhausted. I mean, I'm exhausted and I've only been doing it for a month. <laughs> <laughs> now, your, your mom was a real estate agent. Yes, my how, mom was a real estate agent. How long was she a real estate agent? She was a real estate agent. Um, shoot, I mean, for as long as I can remember, I think she probably started doing it when I was like maybe seven or eight. So uh, she was in the top 11%. She was she made it past the two-year mark. Yeah, so my mom actually did commercial real estate. Um, okay. She did residential for a little while. Uh, residential is not for everybody. Residential right. is really hard. I mean, just trying to find people who want to buy and sell and people that trust you and right. people that want to work with you and want to pay you. Um, there's so many people out there doing it. It's just, it's a tough business. Now is commercial different because it's really just X's and O's. Like if the numbers look right, they could give a fuck. Like here's the money. We need this property. Right. So commercial's different because you're working with businesses. Right. Um, and my mom was a vice president of the commercial of the company. She worked for the brokerage. Okay. Um, but she worked with, you know, leasing out commercial business buildings, which is, don't get me wrong. is still very tough. It's just a whole different animal as far as, you know, finding clientele goes because what I do is, you know, I send out postcards and I'm talking to people and I'm on social media and right. I'm trying to be really active in the public. My mom was grinding with like, you know, all these high up business right, right. men and business building owners. Right, so right. Out here, commercial must be fucking crazy with the warehouses. I'm thinking about getting into it. Honestly, you don't have to do only one. You can do both. I mean, the amount of the amount of industries that are fleeing other states and coming here. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, just just what I've seen with FedEx and and how many how many buildings we've built in the last five years, mm-hmm. you know, and how much real estate we buy up, and like FedEx has tons of real estate that is bought that we are not using yet. Yeah, like no, they I mean, just snagged. There's it. so much like commercial f- buildings out yeah. here, and like just you know, obviously Tesla was a big start, but you know, there's massive corporations that are coming out here. But a lot like like it's weird. Like as I as I've moved up in the company, like flat ground is so desired. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, it's wild. Vacant ground is worth way more than it used to be, and the population is it increases every single day. Right, and it's changing the market. It's changing you know the inventory, and I don't know if anyone out there has been looking to buy a house but you know if you've noticed the fluctuation in the market in the past five years i mean there's not very much available yeah it's like we we don't have the inventory because there's so many people moving here there's so many buyers there's so many like you said commercial warehouses businesses that want to be you know in a state with no state tax yeah and yeah it's wild like i've talked to a couple of friends that you know live in, in new york and then obviously i grew up in california and it's like you know the prices are so high but it's like there is constant like 24 7 round the clock tons of massive residential areas that are being built non-stop in like yeah. all cities in california mm-hmm. but it's wild because like you know like i noticed it when i was working in san francisco they would be building these like there'd be like 10 to 12 skyscraper apartment complexes that are being built at the same time right and the second one is done it fills up in it's like gone. a hot second because yeah. there's like you know, it can house 5,000 people, but there's 15,000 homes in San Francisco that have like seven roommates in a fucking two bedroom right. that are just looking to get the fuck out. Literally living in a cardboard box. 
Shit is crazy. Shit is absolutely crazy. Um, um, and it's kind of the same thing here. Like, I mean, there's not as much space to build, I think, is the issue. But if you've been around Reno lately, you'll see all the apartment complexes and everything that's going up. Um, the problem is people that move in from California, they have their California money. They sold their house in California for, you know, probably close to a million, depending on where and what it was. And they have the ability to come here and buy two houses with that. Right. So they're buying up the local properties um, and using them as investment properties, which is driving up the rental pricing. Right. Um, and also making it so that first-time local home buyers are having a really hard time getting into homes right now. Yeah, I've met some local cats here. They're like, "Man, this is crazy. Like, we have good jobs. This is where we grew up. This is where we, you know, this is home for us. But we can't buy a fucking house." Yeah, no, and they won't be able to, um, you know, unless they're able to put in competitive offers at this point because because you got people from Cali. I mean, obviously not just Cali, but you have people from other states. Primarily California, Washington, obviously. also Seattle. We've seen a lot of yeah. influx from, and they'll come in and they'll overbid, correct? Because oh, usually yeah. it's like, usually it's like, man, hopefully, like, oh, well, just over the line, and hopefully nobody tops it. People come, like, people are just coming in, like, yeah, I'll give you fifteen percent extra. On this top is of it. definitely a seller's market. Um, seller's market means that obviously the seller has the upper hand. Right. There's less properties. There's less sellers than buyers. So yeah, the bidding wars are crazy right now. I mean. People are bidding 10 to 20% over on properties. As a real estate agent, though, isn't that you licking your chops if you can get in? Yeah, I mean, if you can get listings, if right. you can get someone that wants to sell their house, that's amazing. Right. I primarily work with buyers and first-time home buyers um, because I feel like those are the people that need help. Right, right. Those are the people that need the guidance and need the assistance more. I mean, any real estate agent can list a house right now in this market and get a good price for it. That's not hard work. That's not skill. Um, if you can get a first-time home buyer, you know, with a good, decent loan, but not a ton of cash, you know, down or appraisal right now into a house, that's skill and right. that's care, right. which is what I, you know, as a real estate agent wanted to do. I wanted to help people. Right. Now, do you have, are you, do you feel like in the future you're going to have to find a happy medium? Cause like, you know, if you're getting listings and you're selling homes and you're, and you're making money, you can invest more time and, and capital and, and, you know, knowledge into the first time home buyers. Like, do you feel like you're going to have to find a happy medium between the two? Absolutely. I mean, they, cause it's not heartless to be like, you know, we got to pay the bills. Sorry, we, you, you know what I mean? got to break some checks. So mm-hmm. like if it is a huge seller's market, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, don't get me wrong. I would not turn down a listing. Right. I mean, I'm not crazy. Um, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, they want you to be primarily a listing agent. I right. mean, of course everyone should work with buyers. Everyone wants to help buyers, but working with buyers is easier for an agent to get because the buyers don't pay us. Right. Um, the listing agent, the listing, the sellers are the one that pay the agent. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's easy for me to say, hey, I'm a real estate agent. I want to help you get into a house. If someone wants to buy a house, of course they're going to use an agent. They don't have to pay them. Right. Um, finding the listings. Interesting. Yeah, I don't I don't know if most people don't know that, but. So you link with a buyer. Yes. Knowing that you're not going to make any money off of it. No, off of them. Off of them. Yeah, I still make money. So do sellers have agents? Yeah, so that's what I'm talking about, being the listing agent. Oh. So you're the seller's agent. So if you are working with a buyer and you find them a listing and stuff like that, you make money off of the seller. Yes. But then there's a good chance that your profit margin will be cut in half because they're going to pay their agent as well? That's exactly what it is. The profit margin's always cut in half. Oh. So 
Real estate agents don't make 6%. We don't even make 3%. People think real estate agents make so much money. Right. There's so many people that take a cut of the pie that you end up probably making one and a half to 2%. Um, so the seller pays the listing agent 6%. Okay. The listing agent pays me 3%. Oh, okay. Okay, I see what's going on Because I brought the buyer to them. Right, 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 right. Okay. And the listing agent is the one who marketed the house. Okay. So most listing agents will split that half and half. Some of them will give you 2% and keep four. Mm-hmm. Um, it really just kind of depends on who the agent is and, you know, what their morals are and how much work you did and how much work they did. Do you think it should be 50? Um, I, I mean, I have never been a listing agent um, up to this point. I do. I am working with a couple people right now, but I can't imagine that I would give a buyer buyer's agent less than 3% because you know, they're doing a lot of work as well. Right. I mean, of course being a listing agent is a lot of work with the marketing and all the tools that you have to use to make sure that you get someone's house sold for the highest price. Right. But the buyer's agent is the one that's showing the houses and writing the contracts and dealing with the liability and the litigations. And, um, I feel like I would always give 3%, Right. but some people, especially in this market feel like they don't have to do that. So, yeah. Do you feel like, do you feel like everyone, uh, that's a weird question. It's just like, you seem, uh, I feel like everyone gets into these things very, you know, wholeheartedly. Do you see, do you see people who are like, who with years and years of experience that are a little more cold, if you would, a little more financially driven? Yeah. I mean, there's all different kinds of agents out there and as a real estate agent, and I recommend for everybody, you take a test and it's called the disc assessment, Mm -hmm. D I S C. Yeah. I've done that one. Yeah. The disc assessment. So it tells you your highest personality traits Mm -hmm. and you know, kind of the person you are and also kind of like, you know, what you lack. Right. Um, a lot of real estate agents are a super high D and you know, a relatively high I, um, which is dominance and, you know, extrovertedness, which I'm a really high DI. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that some of the more analytical types and some of the more, you know, safety types um, could definitely be more money driven. I mean, of course, everybody's money driven, but right. there's good agents and there's bad agents. There's morally driven people and there's immoral people. Right. Um, and especially, you know, in the real estate business, they try really hard to make sure that immoral people are not allowed to do it. That's fair. But that's why it's really important to, you know, know your agent, interview your agent, really see what your agent is going to do for you and why they're doing it. Right. Now, right when you get started, it's, you know, everything that we've talked about is irrelevant unless your name is out there and you're meeting people and stuff like that. So how do you attack, how do you attack publicity out the gates? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think you were telling me that it's like experience and time in the game is really what's respected the most, right? It seems like. I mean, if you think about it, if you wanted to sell your house and you were interviewing two agents and one of them was me mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm green and, and I haven't been in the business that long, but you know me really well right? and you're interviewing another agent who has been doing it for 20 years and has numbers and has data and is able to prove that, you know, this is what they do. You know, we hope that people would go with who they know and who they love. But of course people are going to go with what's going to make them the most money. Right. Cause it's considered one of the biggest investments that people make in their life. Correct? It is. I yeah. mean, it is unless you're you know, going to buy a big mega baller, yacht yeah, someday yeah. or something. <laughs> it's a huge deal. And people take the financial part of it very seriously as they should. As they should. Yeah. That's why it's really important to not just be, 
you know, a pretty face or good at talking to people or have a big ego and make yourself look good. It's really important to actually care and actually be knowledgeable about what you're doing so that people can trust that you're going to do the best thing for them. Right. Because in time that will will really build your network. And I don't have the experience yet, but I won't be able to build the experience if no one ever gives me the chance to. Right. right? So what kind of guidance did you get for to, to, you know, put yourself in the public eye? Like, what are you doing right now to get into the public eye? And then like, did you have some guidance or were you getting tips of the trade on how to get your name out there and how to get connected and get listings or get buyers, you know? Yeah, I definitely think that's where a lot of agents make the most mistakes and that's where people stop doing it because they think that the publicity part is going to be easy and that's the hardest thing about it. My brokerage um, helped me a lot, gave me a lot of training on how to do it in the best way and the most, you know, concise way, um, least amount of money spent because people spend thousands of dollars advertising um, with the most publicity. So, you know, I work a lot on social media. Um, My clientele on social media, of course, is a little bit younger. It's my, you know, my age group, people that are thinking about buying, but maybe they're not quite ready yet. Right. Um, So I definitely want to keep my name and my face out there. So when they are thinking about it or they are ready, they think about me. Yeah. When you're looking like five years down the road and everyone's like, you know, I'm still posting, popping fucking babies out, buying houses and shit. So, but I also do a lot of like um, postcard stuff, a lot of handwritten letters, a lot of, you know, small gifts, gift bags, um, you know, like spring flowers, just nice, just doing nice things for people, giving something of value, um, helping someone with home maintenance, giving someone a referral for something, um, even just sitting down with someone and kind of explaining to them what the market is and what real estate is, because I don't think people realize how difficult it is to buy and sell a home. Right. I really don't think, I really don't think, I feel like we see so much of this, like, you know, you see so many of these ads that are like people buying and flipping houses and things like that and just, you know, making millions and yeah, this right. and the other and like it happening very quickly. And like, you know, like, you know, I was I was one of those people who was very ignorant. You know, like there's a lot of people out here who want to go into buying a house and they don't even know what escrow means. No, they don't even you know, know what like, a lender does or what yeah. a title agent does or what liability and litigation is and the, the chance that you could get sued. So where have you found the most traction in your in your publicity attempts? And I mean, obviously, it's only been a short time, a month, a month, right? Yes, I've been doing for a month, and I've actually had really great success so far. You know, I have mm. some really great buyers clients. I'm working with a couple of people um, that want to list, but you know, we want to find houses for them to move into first. Mm. And I've had some really good, um, you know. I shouldn't say luck because I've worked really hard, but I've had some good opportunities right. so far. Luck is a massive staple of success. Right. I feel like it's it's important exactly. that you I feel like it's important that you accept it. Like doors are opened yeah. by luck and then it's you know, it's your skill, drive and consistency that will like keep that keep door it open. Flowing. Yeah. Right. And I like to call myself the unluckiest, luckiest person alive. There you go. Like, like, what do they say? Like if I didn't have bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. Exactly. Yeah. Cause like the shittiest stuff happens to me or like the most unlucky stuff. But then like I end up getting super lucky from those situations. Yeah. Um, or like, you know, making it out by the skin of my teeth. Mm-hmm. So I feel lucky in that way. But, um, I definitely have worked really hard to make sure people know that I know what I'm talking about, even right. though I am new. Right. Um, and that I have worked really hard to make sure that I protect people and get, you know, the best thing done for them, which, right. you know, whether that be investment properties, which I love working with investments, or, you know, first time home buyers that just don't want to burn money by paying rent anymore. I saw that. I saw that. Um, I saw on one of your things that you posted that. So when you you were looking at people's like investments and things like that, like, is it strictly housing that you like 
like that people can approach you for advice or or like guidance or whatever the case may be you know when you're talking about investments yeah absolutely i mean that's definitely my area of expertise is mm. you know i would like one day to own duplexes and quadplexes and stuff mm. in reno and rent those out and you know have a property manager that manages the properties for me that's the kind of investment that i'm interested in right right um i do the stock market a little bit i work with a financial guy though i have absolutely zero knowledge of right, right. stock market investing right. but i do i am getting into it because you but know, you want to be a resource so you can send referrals like if someone yeah, wants course. to yeah yeah and that's the thing is that i want to be for people as a resource for anything right you know whatever they need wh however they want to start you know making money and people it's just a good idea that people start thinking about money right, and right. thinking about investing and thinking about you know instead of going out and spending a hundred dollars on eight shots of tequila which mm -hmm. i've done a man million times yeah um, you know, where can you put that? We money? literally just did that. We literally, we just we did literally that. Just did that yeah, last no, weekend, I literally so. spent like a hundred bucks, <laughs> but it was worth it. It's totally worth it. Where are you going to put your money and you know, how can you make your money bigger and right. worth more? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's huge. A lot of people, um, I don't think people understand like the gap. And I started to realize this, like there's been a couple times in my life. We spoke previously about it where I've had like larger lump sums of, of, you know, capital. Well, cash, cash. But a lot of people don't understand, like, you know, making 5000 like, what you see, like, on Instagram, what you see on shows and stuff like that, like, someone who has $50,000, like, you can make $50,000, $100,000 pretty quick. Yeah, if you... Making $5,000, $10,000, that is not an easy task. Like, that's, like, ground floor where you have to be very tactical, and it's usually with five five to $10,000, you're going to make an investment that will be a much slower return, you know? And Slow and painful, yeah. Yeah, and it has to be much more consistent and different things like that, you know? And, and like, that's I think that's why you see a lot of people who don't build their savings and don't have that type of capital because it's, like, you know, you know, like a... Like a stimulus check. Like, what the fuck is $1,400 going to do for you? Like, right. You know, legitimately, like, people are spending $1,400 in a couple of weeks. People are know? like, I'm getting a tattoo. I'm doing whatever. I'm blowing it. Yeah, I'm not going to make some, I'm not going to make some life, ch even with five, you know, like, there's people, every single year, a lot, like, at least in California, almost every single year, people are getting three to five to six, seven, eight thousand $8,000 back on their taxes. And it's like, you know, $7,000 in California is not enough money to make, like, a big time moving, uh, um, investment if you don't know what you're, doing. what you're doing absolutely you know and a lot of people like um you know there's no shame in, in in it you know not a lot of people are tapped into those resources and where they should go with their money you know what I, I mean? saw this tweet this morning actually literally this morning and i was like i'll show you how to turn five thousand dollars into fifteen hundred dollars in two weeks <laughs> in, big, in, big facts. in two days i can do that shit quick yeah and i think that you know people think when they think about buying a house um, that sounds huge and scary and like mm -hmm. a lot of responsibility, but people don't know you don't need 20% down You don't need to have all of this money to buy a house and a house is the biggest investment that you're ever gonna make Right, because if you look at the trends for the past couple of years homes are increasing in equity, you know pretty quickly right. and People are like why should I buy now the market is so high the market is so scary well people three years ago are wishing they would have bought three years ago, and right. they were st they were waiting for the market to drop. You can't right. see me, but I'm quote unquote drop. Right. Um, the market crash that happened, you know, I can say I can't guarantee because I can't guarantee anything, but it's not going to happen again. I mean, there's been a drop. Probably won't like you're talking 08. Yes. 08 was much more than a. It, it was, was a crash. It was a bu it was a bubble, but also a scandal. Yeah. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Like, in the in the last in the last twelve years, the market has definitely dropped in many places yeah. in the country, but it dropped at its its normal rate. If you right, mean. not at the rate of a depression. No, not and at the rate of a that 08 bubble like that. 
took some goggles off and I would be, I would be, I mean, I don't have a ton of, I don't have a ton of trust in, in people who would look out for this, but like, I don't think that's going to happen again. No, it won't. And people are scared to buy now, but in three years, you're going to be wishing that you bought now. Right. Um, because it's only going to, you know, the home equity, what the homes are worth is just going to keep going up. People are going to keep moving here. Right. Um, and the Californians are driving the market up with the cash offers and the high offers. Mm-hmm. Um, and people don't want to get to a point where their money is worth less because right, right now with interest rates being so low, your buying power is a lot higher. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't have to put as much down and depending on the loan that you qualify for, you know, it is something for people that even don't have that much money in savings just to start thinking about it because it is something that's possible. Right. Um, and that's why it's really important to get with an agent that actually cares about you right. and actually knows what they're talking about and knows how to help you um, and not just an ego-driven agent, which I don't want – I'm not talking badly about other agents. You know, there's really, really great agents in Reno, but there is people that, you know, are ego-driven and you see the billboards and right. the commercials and all the stuff, but what what aspect, what value are they bringing to you? Right, right. <sighs> yeah, the market does seem fucking – intense it's intense yeah i've been i have a buyer and we put in nine offers and not an offer has not gotten accepted i mean that's just a that is a straight up honest truth about it nine offers yeah and they're not bad offers i mean they are asking above asking it's because people are literally zooming in well over yeah asking price i mean 10 percent, 20 percent over with cash fuck the problem is the cash buyers yeah the cash so you have a good loan but you don't have any cash Normally that would be enough mm-hmm. right now. You have to have a little bit of cash to cover appraisal because if you don't, um, someone else is, someone else does. Is it like someone, is it people from California buying like a hundred percent of the home cash or is it people coming in like putting down, I'll put down 50% or whatever the case may be or, or is it a variety? I mean, we've seen it all. I mean, I just saw a deal close where they put down $600,000, $600,000. Like who has $600,000 cash, cash. And then they also, on top of that, it was a twelve hundred or one point two million dollar home, got a six hundred thousand dollar loan. So sweet fuck. Yeah, like that's a lot of money. Yeah. But those aren't the kind of houses that, you know, the demographic that I work with is looking at buying. Right. Um, you don't have six hundred thousand dollars. You probably don't even have six thousand dollars. Right. And so, those people the reason that that's driving up the market is because they are able to overbid because they do have so much cash that they can overbid with. Right. right. Money talks. Money talks. People would much rather take the cash up front. It's a guaranteed it's in your pocket. It's an easy deal for them. Then wait yeah. for that month to month to month to month, all that stuff. It's an easy close. So there's like this huge, there's just like, there's a big like societal pressure to buy a home. You know, like definitely when it comes to like if you have a family or like as you're getting older, as you get a better job, you know what I mean? Like it's uh, it's I don't know if it, I'm not saying that it's strange to me, but it's just it's just so it's just so interesting to me that like, you know, there's a lot of people who buy homes and I feel like there's factors that aren't really considered. It's just like, well, I'm making enough money like I should buy I'm a buying home. a house. Yeah. Or me and my me and my boyfriend have been together for two and a half years or we just got engaged we should buy a we house, buy a house. Or yeah. I, we just had a kid we should buy a house mm-hmm. i got a nice car like we should buy a house right very fucking sh- strange like i've been i've been moved out of my parents houses for my parents house for like 10 years i should buy a house right do you think that uh reasons why um reasons why people buy houses are sometimes faulty and not exactly what what they should be i mean i honestly think 
that is a part of the re- not obviously not the whole reason but a part of the reason that the 2008 crash happened is yeah. that people thought that they had to buy houses and right. in that time it was pretty easy to buy a house they yeah. were handing out money like candy it's hell easy um and so people were like i should buy a house right i'm gonna buy a house right but can you actually buy a house should you buy a house are the most important questions that i that's the first thing i ask my buyer why do you want to buy a house right because someone told you to because you think you have to um and for most people yeah i mean they just that's just where society has led us and we think that's what we should do um i've literally spoken to people who have bought a house and then they're like yeah well you know maybe in like five years we'll we'll move i'm like why why the fuck did you just buy a house Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like how long's the loan They're like 30 years yeah all right well what because isn't it pretty tough to to sell and then you know what i mean like because you're not I mean, it depends on the market. Yeah. I think right now, buying a house is a great idea, even if you are thinking about moving or are yeah. thinking about upgrading or maybe don't really need to buy a house. Right. The thing about renting, and the renting um, you know, market in Reno is going up tremendously also. I mean, yeah. rent is way more than it used to be. It's aggressive. Renting is 100% loss. Mm-hmm. You are not gaining equity. You are not investing at all. You are giving you're paying somebody else's mortgage right someone, right? someone else's future somebody else owns the place that you live in you're paying their mortgage their 30-year right. loan you're paying it right so why would you want to pay someone else's mortgage when you can pay your own right if you do want to live and f- move in five years or leave in five years or upgrade you still have equity in that house you still have an investment so you can either sell it which someone will buy out your, you know, buy off your loan. They'll, right. you won't own on that loan anymore, or you can continue to own it, rent it out, and then someone else is paying your mortgage. Right. So you're owning a property that somebody else is paying for, which is basically what we're all doing right now when right. we're renting. There's this huge desire to buy and then and then rent out. Yeah, of course, because it's you know free money basically. Right. Is it as easy as it sounds? Of course not. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, no, of course not. Because there's a lot there's a lot of people who, you know, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to buy this and then rent this out. But, like, you know, buying a, buying a home and then buying another home without selling your previous home, that's not an easy task to do, right? No, not unless you have money. Right. Because you'd have to get another loan. Right. Or, you know, double down on your mortgage or refinance. Or- right. You have to have the money before you start making money off of that correct i think that's something that's a misconception i feel like a lot of people there's people who do it yeah you know there's people who buy a fixer upper and fucking Mm -hmm. fuck that shit up in a year and kill it yeah that baby out yeah yeah or or rent it out or whatever the case may be but like you know i feel like there's this misconception that like if you buy a house it's just like you know like the money that like if you're just at the mark to buy a house and you just have enough money to buy that house yeah like going to buy another house of course, it's not as easy as it sounds. People right. think they can just apply for another loan, get approved for another $350,000 loan. Now you own the bank, almost a million dollars. Yeah, whoa. Yeah, right. That's terrifying. No, it's and it's not realistic um, to think about it like that. I think the way that we should think about it is just making sure that we're creating equity for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So as young, you know, kind of low-income investors, we don't have a bunch of money, we don't have a bunch of cash, the way that I'm thinking about it is when I buy, I want to buy a house that has enough rooms that I can rent out the rooms. Mm-hmm. Then the people that rent for me are paying me. Right. 
I live there too. Right, right. Um, and they're paying down my mortgage. Once your mortgage starts to get paid down, once you start to make more money as we start to get older, that's when you can start to think about buying another house or selling the current house that you live in. Right. But you can't just go buy eight properties on eight different loans and rent them out. Right. Otherwise, that's what everyone would do. Do you think that people underestimate the responsibility when it comes to when you're solely, you're the sole provider of a, of a home? Absolutely. Because, and this is something that I talk about with my buyers is they're like, you know, I live in this apartment right now or I live in this house I rent and I don't have any responsibility. You know, if it burns down, not my problem. If it, if the shower breaks, if the plumbing explodes, you know, that's the owner's problem. Yeah. The thing is, you know, there's things that you can do to protect yourself, home warranties and things that you have to know about in order to protect yourself, which is why it's really important to work with a good agent. Um, if you don't know, then you can get yourself in a really sticky situation. Right, right. But it's also, you know, a lot of people do investments and a lot of people do rent out their homes because it is a really good way to cash flow mm -hmm. if you know what you're doing. Right. Yeah, I feel like I've, I've definitely seen some people that, or talk to some people that they're like, yeah, the first, like, the f like don't expect to make a ton off the first three. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, like, as people start to grow, and obviously they're buying duplexes and things like yeah. that. But, you know, that's a long, that's a, that's a long road. Well, and there's tons of things you have to look out for, too, because I was looking at buying, you know, a little um, duplex kind of apartment condo mix over um, on the river. And I was going to rent it out. But there's a, a number crunching sheet that we use. And so once you crunch the numbers... I was going to be hemorrhaging money because right. of the flood water insurance, the HOA fees, unless I was going to be charging $2,800 rent for that little dinky apartment, which I would never, right. I'm losing money. Right, right. So that's why it's really important to know what you're doing um, before you start thinking about investing because making money off property is not easy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's, there's fucking some good money in it. Yeah. But. Yeah. And you have to account for when something goes wrong. You and something are, always goes wrong, I was right? I say that yeah. I feel like that's a big thing, you know, like when it comes to like plumbing or any type of home damage or also like damage that your your renter might, you know. Yeah, of course, do. which is why you do deposits and everything like that. Right. But right. I mean, what would you do right now if, if a rocket like fell through the roof? So Fuck. You would call, make you know, call. you'd call the apartment. That was a I mean, also this is my this is the and I think this is the fifteenth. This is the fifteenth time I've moved in ten years. Holy crap! So it's also like you know when I got here, I wanted you know I was, there was houses and things like that, but I was like I, re I really like an apartment because they you know it's a little bit it easier. Is, yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It is an empty investment, um, but like the convenience is is proper. Um, you know, it's something that I that I enjoy the stability of it as mm -hmm. well. Like I have no desire to make money off of of real estate. I know a lot of people do, and and I think it's a killer thing to to get into. And I think if you can do it, I think it's dope as fuck. Um, maybe if I became more educated on it, it'd be something that I would want to do. But like you know, if I were to buy a home, I'd be buying a home for my kid. As for in you. like yeah. As in like you know you know yeah I I I'm pretty comfortable that I'm gonna be here for thirty years. And it you know stays I mean? in the family. This yeah. is probably where I'm going to grow grow up and grow older. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And then, you know, in 30, like, you know, in 30 years when I'm like, sweet, I don't have a, you know, even right now, like if I bought a, if I bought a house today and my loan is, you know, it's average about 30 years, right? Right. In 30 years, I'm like, sick. I don't have a, like, like I don't have, rent, I don't have a payment anymore. I'm fucking 60 years old. Like, right. There's not like a, there's not a big, a, but that's also just like just me, you know, like a lot of people get into it to, to find ways to eliminate their cost of living quicker. Right. You know what I mean? Of and, course. and also like I've been in situations where I do have zero cost of living, which mm -hmm. is fucking, it's nice. 
it's a game changer. Well, and you're setting up your kids and your family for success as well because right. you know you're able to pass down something that's has value. Right. And I think it's really important that people start to think about where their rent money goes and what their rent money is. Right. Because would you rather be paying money to own something mm. or I mean for the rest of your life to own nothing? I'm very uh, I would I would probably. I will. St- I know. I will. I'll buy. I'll buy land before I buy a house. Yeah, and then build on it. That's a great well, yeah, idea. This. I mean, this whole. This whole fucking country is for sale. Yeah, of you course. You know what I mean. And some of the brightest minds, they like. You know, it is extremely cheap, and there's a. You know, like you can go and buy a chunk of land, even in California, that has nothing on it and is completely vacant. And I wouldn't have to change a thing about my life. I could stay in my same house, and I could support the payments. Until I decide on, on you know, what you want to do. And yeah. also that land builds equity. Absolutely. You know, and then you wait for people who do like they do want a home or they have the, they have the 80 to, you know, $150,000 to to erect a home. Right. And, you build know I mean? and something like do the that. plumbing and the electric. And I mean, it depends on where you buy the land. But right. yeah, absolutely. You know, so I would. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think everyone just has their own like like before I bought a house, I would like I would go out and I I would buy a piece of land and I would grow on, on land. Yeah. You know, like I would, I would definitely, instead of paying rent mm-hmm. and all the fees and stuff like that, like I would rather invest in like multiple people running a grow. The turnaround is much bigger and the, the, the capital is massive. And then if I decided to get into it, you know what I mean? Like everyone has their own uh, plug on what they would do with real estate. But it's a great that you're thinking about what you would do with money, how you're going to make m- money, your money bigger, how you're going to make your money worth more. Right. Right. Investing. I mean, I just think that's what, our age group and you know people our age sometimes it feels like we're still teenagers right but we're like all grown adults now there's also a lot of pressure too because like our our parents like our a majority of our parents were baby boomers right oh so yeah they're growing up in the in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s when even though there was a lot going on and a lot of bad stuff going on like the economy is fucking booming the middle yeah. class was absolutely massive they survived off nuclear families like you know my job my job would be worth like $250,000 it's one stream of income in a house taking care of a wife and multiple kids and yeah and they were able, to buy, were able to buy land like yeah absolutely and also towns were being like it's crazy like towns were being erected 60 70 years ago you know like people were cruising in Two towns that were just started. It's crazy because it doesn't even feel like that long ago. But right. like, and now it's like you know there isn't like there isn't like a there really isn't new towns. Like no. people aren't going like starting a new town. Like a new Reno. You know, no way. Like I know it's on like I don't, I don't know when it was. You know, like uh, I don't know when I don't even know. Well, Reno's like the fucking wild wild west, but used to be at least. Like there's tons of there's tons of like towns in in Northern California that are like. 100 years old totally small people just came in towns yeah people just or even 200 years old people just came in and fucking bought up all the fucking land Mm -hmm. because they could do it you know so there's a it's weird because the generation before us was able to buy much quicker and much more efficiently and now it's i feel like it's a much more cobwebbed cobwebbed network that has you know it's it's tougher the the supply is much lower than it was and the demand is just as high if not higher yeah absolutely and there's the population is a lot bigger there's yeah. a lot more people and the do- the here, value of the dollar is a lot lower than it was people out here fucking i mean oh they'd be out, fu- they'd they'd be out, out here fucking. fucking here people talking about having eight nine ten kids i'm like can you yeah we are overpopulated and also like just the you know just in the last hundred years like the type of you know like if you were to go back in like 1940s like like you wouldn't find like my situation you know, like in the 1940s, there wasn't like a black male who knocked up a 
quote unquote lesbian bartender <laughs> and had a kid and oh aren't and aren't together. You know what I mean? They like would think those, that was a fairy tale. Oh, you get fucking lynched. Yeah, that's what would happen. Oh it would. God. That's a reality. But uh, so there's just so much more combination and it's like such a melting pot and there's so much more diversity and the population's just fucking booming because motherfuckers, they're out here fucking. Yeah, they'd be out here fucking. Yeah. And the world is changing and I think, you know, our generation is so different than any generation before us. Yeah. I mean, just the way we think about things, the way we do things, um, you know, in the older generation, they think we're all lazy and useless and, you know, but just because we think about things differently and it's a different world. Like it's also you said. A, a huge, especially with tech is tech has moved exponentially, like in, 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 un, in an unbelievable fashion in the oh, last yeah. like 25 years. But we also like, we have this massive desire for convenience. Of course. You know, like, you know, b- back in the day, generations before us, they were, you know, it was the norm to like start this and know See in 25 years. It'll pay off in 25. Uh-huh. You know, but now there's so many different outlets and moves and ways and with technology and and uh, and just education. Like It's easier. You can do it, you can do it faster. I mean, my so dad there's still, this huge desire to do it faster. My dad still drives to the doctor's office to make his doctor's appointment. I'm like, Dad, you can call. He drives to Walmart to tell them that he needs to order something. I'm like, Dad, you need to just call. It's okay. Yeah. He's like, how do I do that? How do I find the phone number? I find myself doing that because of my dad as well. Like, there's still there's still things that like, like I'll go, and like I'll run errands, and all of the errands can be done. You're an over old man. The phone deep or like inside. online. You know what I'm saying? You're like, such an old man. No, it's rough. Oh my god. It's rough. Well. Be- it doesn't find, it doesn't take long to like figure that out. But people will be like, "How old are you? Like, damn, you're sixty-five. You're fucking old, bro. You got an old soul. It's a good thing though. Yeah. But I feel like I have an advantage there when it comes to because I'm pretty techie and I'm pretty, you know, internet and social media and you know, technology driven. Um, that gives me an advantage as a younger agent because some of the older agents, um, they don't know how to make things convenient. Like right. it's still difficult, you know, dealing with setting up appointments with them and setting up, you know scheduling open houses and showing houses and viewing houses it's way more difficult than it needs to be right um just because they're not you know some of the older generation they're not interested in the technology they don't want anything to do with it so oh that's they they like refuse makes my marketing techniques a little bit stronger and the fact that i know that that's what our generation wants um you know give me 10 years and i think i'll have some pretty good success with it you're also in a new place um in the in our society and our really the the world really where like women are obviously not the dominant population but a much higher population oh yeah do you find that as an advantage or have you found it as an advantage in some places or a disadvantage being in real estate and being a woman because i know that there's a lot of women out there the millions of followers that i have i'm mm-hmm. sure there's plenty of women famous, who famous. Listen, yeah <laughs> but there's a lot of women who are trying to get into real estate yeah of course and there's something attractive like I've seen like, you know, you see, what's that fucking, what's, it's the worst, it's the worst television station in the world and it should be like burnt alive because it's probably the reason why half of the world hates our country. I think it's like HRTV or H- HGTV. HGTV. Yeah, where HGTV. it's like fucking house hunters and all that Oh my that God, shit. and it's ridiculous. And there's yeah. just, you know, there's this fucking smoking hot in shape middle-aged woman who hops out of a mercedes just bussing out real estate knocking out houses and Mm -hmm. shit you know what i mean just balling out like that's dope as fuck and you would never like you know people you get shot and you know there's some places in the country still you get shot in broad daylight yeah if you're wearing a tank top yeah right right. so so do you do you see this as an advantage disadvantage both like what have you seen i mean definitely 
women's rights have come so far. I mean, we weren't even able to vote until the 60s. That's like unreal to me. Yeah. Because like, I am such a dominant, headstrong, independent woman. I can't imagine living in that world. Right. I mean, I would have freaked out. I probably would have smothered my husband in his sleep with a pillow or something. That was happening. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I see it. Yeah. Um, being a woman in the real estate industry, you have to demand respect because right. people will not just give it to you. You know, people see a, a young, pretty, blonde girl and they think, how can I take advantage of this person? How can I manipulate this person? Right. It's like a chick walking into a mechanic shop. Right. What can we, you know, they, they don't take you seriously right. unless you demand it. Um, and unless you know what you're talking about and you're educated and that's how you get respect in this industry, because I have had people, I've only been, had my license for a month, disrespect me in ways that I didn't even think were imaginable. Really? Do you find, do you find the more people that you run into, there's more disrespect or there's more respect? Like there are a lot of, are there a lot of people out there who will give you the due diligence or, or the only reason that they disrespect you is because you're so green and not a woman or like, what, what do you think the ratio is? I think it's pretty good. You know, especially the way that I carry myself and the way that I present myself, people, you know, respect me for the most part. The only times I've really had issues is with egotistical males who don't really respect women at all. It doesn't really matter who they are or what they are. You know, I had a guy. Is this older, younger, or just how much money they have? um, I would say older for the most part and usually obviously a little bit more money usually alcohol's involved if they're being super disrespectful right um you know because i do talk about i work at a bar and i talk about real estate with people that are drunk and you know i think for the most part i get respect and i get people that actually want to hear what i have to say but of course there is those people that look at me and think arm candy and I don't really care if she knows what she's talking about. I'll use her as a real estate agent because I want her around or I'll pretend I'm going to use her just so I can take her out Yeah. so I can get her on a date, whatever. Yeah. Um, and trying to fuck exactly. And they don't actually have any interest in doing business with me. Damn. I had a guy, um, I was talking about open houses. He was like, are there any open houses around here that you can suck me off in? And I was like, I, Jesus. I'm a professional young woman. Right. He would never talk to, you know, a he would, re- Yeah, a, he would never try to get a 45-year-old male real estate agent to suck his dick. Are you kidding house. me? No, he'd give him his business. What'd you say? I said, don't talk to me like that. Man, I would have said, uh, what's the offer? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I was, I've, I've been in a place. 50% commission? That dick's getting sucked. Sucked, baby. <laughs> And you know what? That's why I'm not in real estate. <laughs> if it was someone that I knew and someone that I, you know, was joking with me, maybe I would have made a joke about it because I'm not, I don't take shit that serious. Right, right. But he was someone I had did not know who he was and he did not know me. Right. And he genuinely was disrespecting me in front of a group of 10 other guys. Oh shit. There was other people around. Oh yeah. There was a couple other people around. Oh what? And so I had to, you know. Then you would have had to suck you would have had all, all their, of dicks. their dicks. Yeah. That's... I would have had to suck all their dicks. Oh man. And I, that's you know, tough. didn't want to be in that situation. And I also don't want them to think that's how that they can, they can right. look at me. Right. I wanted every single guy at that table to know, no, I'm a real young professional. Right. They can use me for business. So I looked at him and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't like all angry and upset. Cause I'm sure he probably would have loved that reaction. Right, right. I just said, don't talk to me like that. Yeah. Now with that being said, do you answer and answer honestly, like 
there are things that you can, you know, there are people who have, are very good at engagement. There are people who are very analytically strong, very educated or have years of experience. Right. Right. And usually a lot of people in every single in every single right job force. Right. I do it. at I do it at FedEx. Right. After a long time. And once you become very good at your job, you find these you find these things that you can leverage uh, people with relationships, with p- persuasion, if you would. Or, right. You know what I mean? Or convincing somebody or whatever the case may be or or, um, you know, um, you know, having critical conversations, getting to know them or understanding the situation better. You obviously, yes, you are a young professional, right? But you are also a very attractive young woman. Thank you. Do you find yourself like in conversation if like not going past the point in any way, shape or form where it's unprofessional, but you know, like that is a, that is a way of persuasion, right? And, And it is attractive and it is like, you know what I mean? Like, people are going to break down barriers and become more vulnerable to an attractive woman, you know, because they're in the presence of an attractive woman. Like men, are, men are weak in that, in that aspect. Maybe it's be persuaded. Pretty you know? privilege. Pretty, pretty privilege is a thing for so, sure. So if you have an opportunity to persuade someone with those tactics, but you know, at the end of the day that what you, you the due diligence of professionalism that you're, you're giving them is correct. Yeah, absolutely. You do it. I mean, you follow the code of ethics mm-hmm. You don't cross the line. Um, of course, I'm a very friendly, outgoing, bubbly, nice, you know, flirty. You could call it, some would call it flirtatious. Right, right. <laughs> I'm winking right now. You can't see it. Person. And, you know, of course, you read your you read your client. You read your, the person that you're talking to. If you being more warm and open and flirty and friendly towards them mm-hmm. is going to make them feel more comfortable with you, of course. Right. I'm not like some hard bitch that goes around like I feel like there's some cancel culture to that though. Like you know what I mean as as a as a woman because there is such and the movement is the movement is lit. There is such a movement for women to get the respect in in professional settings as they should. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like I almost feel like, you know, like uh it would be wrong it would be wrong for women to not use that tactic because they can that's our God-given Do- gift. They can dominate. It's, it's something God-given that nobody gift. else can do. You know, like this isn't like a good example, but like I'll be in the warehouse and there'll be a population of like a black people or minorities or whatever the case may be, or with a similar upbringing. And I'll always, uh, I will use that. I will use that tactic where I can relate to them, where they'll feel more comfortable with me, where I am like male to male, happy and flirty with men, if you would, to have a good conversation. <laughs> Seriously though. Like, you flirt with guys? Absolutely. I flirt with guys just as much as I flirt with women. I love trying to have a, if I'm trying to have like a successful conversation and we're laughing and we're having a good time and we're getting to know each other. Like I will use the same tactics that I like, if you would for with flirtation, flirtation with a woman as a man, because that's how you build relationships and they become more comfortable. They become more vulnerable. Like the trust is built easier. And then at the end of the day at my job, I know that I'm not going to steer them wrong. Right. And I know I'm not going to do any wrong by them and I'm not going to take anything from them, but I will use that tactic to, to break down those barriers. I feel like women should fucking do that. You know, and I totally agree with you and there you're right. There is a cancel culture for it. Like women can't flirt with guys or right. do anything to get to the top. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course you can't be sucking dick to get to you the top. Suck your way to the top. That is a problem. Right. And I, I think that there is a cancel culture for that because that's where degraded the, you know, women being degraded came from in the first place. Cause right. men feel like they can use us in that way because we want to get to the top so bad. Right. Um, which absolutely I would never ever even consider anything like that. But I completely agree with you that using your strengths, using mm-hmm. your personality, using what God gave you right. to 
be more likable and more approachable and you know and tactically not go into an inappropriate state right right and then also like at the end of the day like as a real estate agent knowing that whether I'm being flirty with you or not I'm going to give you the best business as possible right but this if, is professionalism yeah but yeah. if I see that you know like um you know, if I see that me being flirty is such a loose term too. Like, right. Totally. Know, it's not know. the best words you use for it, but right. But you know, you're having successful interactions with somebody, yeah. you know what I mean? And men desire successful interactions with women. It's empowering. Like if you're making a girl laugh and you guys are having a good time and you're not talking about anything sexual or nothing is sexual. No. You guys are speaking strictly about real estate or, you know, your life or where you've lived or common things that you enjoy hobbies and it's and it's flowing like but the comfortability it's empowering, it's empowering as a man yeah. and then also like <laughs> there's also like there's that state of impress that trying to in impress a woman uh-huh of course you know what i mean so like um you know they're a little hesitant this decision's both the same right uh financially economically like whatever the case may be for for a 40 year old man and a, and a 23 year old woman and it's like if you can use that to get that that deal on the table, like they're going to do the deal either way. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like, you know, give it to me instead. That's what men have been doing for. I mean, ever. You, you guys are very ego driven. Right. You know, just naturally. It doesn't mean you're all egotistical. But yeah, like one of the big one of the biggest things when it comes to like the, you know, the different like men and women in the workforce is men just use the I'm a man. Right. So I get the deal. But it's like weird. There's almost like cancel culture for women using tactics like that. Like I'm a woman. Give me the deal. You know what I mean? And I totally don't think there should be well, because do it right back. We're, we're, we're empowered like that. We right. should use that as a power move, not right. something that we should be afraid of. Right. As long as the person that you're working with knows that you are professional and that there's a line, I 100% think women should use that. And I mean, it depends on who you're working with. And cross the line, I'll bite your fucking head off. Right. And that's it. Right. Um, but it also really depends on who you're working with. You know, if you're working with a married couple... It's so important as a female real estate agent that you don't even look at the guy. You don't even turn right, your head right. in his direction. It oh doesn't God. matter if he's signing the check. Especially because that dude's probably watching like real estate porn. And yep. his wife caught him like three months ago. And it can get really ugly. You walk into the door and you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. You're all, yeah. you know, blonde and looking good. And mm -hmm. she's the, pen, the pencil, the pencil dress, pencil skirt and, you know, a little bit of cleavage showing. Oh, shit. Yeah. And you know what? That's so you don't even look at the guy. You mm -hmm. don't even acknowledge him. I mean, you, you're respectful, of course, but your business is being conducted with his wife. Right, right. Otherwise, you're going to get cut. Right. She's going to say, we're not using that dumb broad. Mm -hmm. um, call Tony yeah. or whatever. I don't want that young bunny around Yeah, a little bunny. Husband. So it's all about respect and knowing who you're working with. But you also have to be really careful as a real estate agent because, you know, if you're alone in a house with somebody and you don't know them, right. it can hurt you. Yeah. They can kill you. They can rape you. They can kidnap you. And we deal with a lot of people that we don't know. Right. People see our cards. People see my face on a poster, whatever. And they say, they call me, you know, can you show me this house? Because they want to kidnap me, right. not because they want to buy a house. Damn, that is, is that something that's that's not like prevalent? But Or is it something that's in the, in, in the industry? You I hear, mean, do you hear these horror stories about the industry? You do hear horror stories because they want you to be aware that it's something that can happen. Right. I don't think it's something that happens a lot. Mm -hmm. But it is something that every single real estate agent is aware of. Right. And a lot of us carry tasers. A lot of us carry pepper spray. 
a lot of us have trackers on our phones that Fuck, if it's Nevada, I bet you oh, yeah. there's women out here carry concealed straps. weapons. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> oh shit. And there's like a tracker on your phone that if you don't check in every 15 minutes, it'll alert like your list of people. Right. Um, you don't go into houses with people that you don't know alone. You mm-hmm. just don't, you bring another agent with you. You bring somebody with you. Um, because yeah, there's terrible horror stories. I was just listening to this horror story about a super, super successful real estate agent in a different state who went to show um, these two guys a house and they couldn't get a hold of her and couldn't find her and they went to the house and they, she was dead. Fuck. Dead. And I, and they just left her in the house and they don't know what happened. They don't know what they did to her. Um, and that can happen if you aren't careful. So we have to be careful. Right. And if you are considering getting into real estate, it's something to think about that your face, your information is going to be out there for anybody who wants it. Right. Your name and number. And Oh, I give out 100 cards a day. Yeah. That's and wild. it has a picture of my face. It's a great picture. Thank you. It's a lovely card. My phone number and my email and where I work with the address. Mm-hmm. So if someone sees that and has an obsessive or you know psychopathic impulse, it would be so easy for them to get a hold of me. Fuck. Yeah, it's scary. I think about it all the time. You're gonna start taking like jujitsu or something. Oh yeah, Kickboxing. what's that? Mu- Muay Thai or Muay Thai? You want that jujitsu? I know. I, yeah. Shout out to Eddie. He's gonna help me oh, kick yeah. some ass. That's the place mm-hmm. to go to. He's got Autumn Norton. Yeah, <sighs> that bitch is. So I mean, that I bitch will should get into real estate for sure. <laughs> Nobody's gonna <laughs> fuck with her. No. But I'll make sure I stay protected because I'm aware of that. But everyone right. should be aware that that is you know something right. that can happen. So what's a uh, you know as you as you continue to climb in this industry you know you obviously got in for a reason where do you see like what's your vision of not end goal but where you're trying to go in the future you know you, we've talked about we've talked about uh um, residential we talked about is that what it is residential residential Commer- yeah commercial mm-hmm. you know what i mean like where what market exactly are you trying to go for i think my end game goal with this is i really would like to be an investor um I would like most of my income to come from my investment properties. Mm-hmm. I would really like to help people with investments. That's As kind of properties that you have bought that I own. Yeah. Okay. So that's my end goal. Obviously that's a long time away goal because like we said, it's not as easy as it sounds, Right. but at least you got the plug though. You're going to yeah. know what's good. And what's I mean, bad. I know, yeah, it's, it's really important to know what I'm doing and I'll save a lot of money by being a real estate agent because I, you know, mm-hmm. know how to not get taken advantage of. Um, but my end goal is just to, for people that are thinking about buying and selling. I want to be the first person that they think about because they know that I'm going to do the best thing for them in 30 years, 40 years when every one of us is probably bought and sold twice and we want our forever home or our dream home or whatever it is that we're desire. I just want to be that source for people. Um, and I want to put a good name out there for myself because this is my career. This isn't some little side gig for me or something small. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I want to be really, really good at it. Right. So, so you find yourself. So you might find yourself in in luxury homes. Absolutely, those dream homes. Those, yeah. you know, one point two million dollar millions, baby. Yeah. You're gonna have to get that Cali license. Yes, huh? I mean, I and I will. And mm-hmm. luxury, of course, is the end game. But I'm never just gonna brand myself as a luxury agent. Right. Right. Even though I do plan on working majority in luxury, because mm-hmm. um, that will be my clientele at that point. I'm never gonna make a first time home buyer feel like they can't contact me because I don't deal with that stuff. Right. Right. Um, cause again, I just want to help people. And I think some people lose sight of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of, you know, you're supposed to have a, when you sign up, they tell you to find your big why what's your big why? Yeah. Cause if your big why is to be the richest, most famous real estate agent in the world, 
you're not going to hack it. Yeah, it's a well that you can't fill. No, you can't. And yeah. there will never be enough money. Right. You're always going to be, you know, splitting money, sharing money, grinding for money. And it is a grind. Right. If you're, why you got into real estate is to actually help people and to actually show people a better life. That's the only way you're going to be successful. Yeah. I mean, I think this is a, this is a category of investment that many more young people are trying to get into. And I feel like it's, um, it's desired much more than it was before trying to buy homes. You know what I mean? Trying to buy their first homes or trying to flip homes or, you know, trying to rent out homes. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, shit, I've learned a lot. Like it shines, I think it's good to, to shine light on, on what the industry actually is, you know, because I feel like a lot of people just pop in blind and it's like, yeah, this person offered me a loan and cool. I fucking took it. it. Let's yeah, go. Now yeah. I, now I have a home. This is yeah. awesome. It's like your fucking interest rate is yeah. 7%. Literally. This is out of fucking control. Like, what are you doing you're over spend, there? You're hemorrhaging money. Right. Yeah. But everyone on the outside world, you know, you see the post, like they see a picture and it's like, bought my first house. Bought my first house. Yeah. Man. So, also, I'm, I'm such a prude. I get so upset when I see those I'm petty, like when I see pictures like that of the homes or like cars, like bought my, like, Bought my first car. I'm like, you owe twenty four thousand dollars on that car. Like, you don't own that car. Baby, you didn't buy that car. The bank like, owns that, that car. car that yeah. car can get taken from you tomorrow. In any second. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the same way too. And you know, of course, I want to have nice things. I want the Mercedes. I want the house. Hell yeah. You know, because it makes you feel good about yourself. But you have to make sure that you're acquiring those things for the right reasons. Right. Because if you want them because they look good on Instagram, the bank's taking them back. Oh, big facts for sure. Uh, my my sister taught me that very quickly, you know, like to to swallow my pride, like you know, like I drop, you know, like my friend group. I would say a vast majority of my friend group doesn't have multiple sources of income and does not make the same amount of money as me. And I get clowned on. I drive a fucking green Kia Soul. Right, and they they treat you like you're some type like, of loser because you, you made smart financial I've like pulled decisions. up on females before, and they're like, "What the fuck okay. is that?" I know like, you really do look like a little yeah, cutie in your car, yeah. though. <laughs> they're not expecting me to get out of that car, or just just other things, you know, like you know, like I don't know. You you just uh, like you said, you do it for the right reasons, and I think learning how to live a live a frugal life will help you and you know, keep your capital and, and invest right. in things that are important. It's not all about the social media show. You know, yeah. anyone can go and get a loan. Well, not anyone, but most people can go get a loan for a really nice car. But if you can't afford the car, it's not your car. Right. Exactly. And if it's not a smart investment, you are, I mean, the, the car thing is huge. You drive a car off the lot and it depreciates instantly. Yeah, I think it's like 20%. So can yeah. you drive it off the lot instantly? Yeah. It's I literally, mean, it's literally the worst investment. You it's could make. terrible. Like, have you seen the thing where it's, it's a like guaranteed loss? You spent a hundred thousand dollars on a Tesla six years ago. If you would have invested that hundred thousand dollars into Tesla stocks, you would have had $8 million by yeah, now or something like for that. Real. For big facts. So just think bigger, you know? And I mean, I say that, but I will like when I'm, when I'm at a point where there is excess capital, like I will, I will buy that Cadillac. If you have the money. And I will drive immediately yeah. to the tattoo shop and I will get the Cadillac emblem tattooed on me. I love that for you and yep. I will be along for the ride. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's exactly it. If you have the money, spend the money. If you don't have the money, don't spend the money. Right. So we're, uh, you know, especially out in Reno, there is so many people buying up and even selling homes right now, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's going on. And the expansion, like Reno has grown like fucking crazy. Like I feel like every time I go to South Reno, there's a new complex built. Oh yeah. Or if I go and the up traffic? north, anything north, holy, like I was just on 880 Military Road and it's just like multiple, like there's a complex that just got built, another one that's about to be erected. Yep. Yada, yada, Carmela yada. Valley, they're building a bunch of houses out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, the expansion is amazing. Right. I mean, the locals, we don't love it, but 
they're doing it so much because so many people are moving here. Right, right. And that's why the inventory is so low. Right. A house goes on the market, it sells in two days. I had a house go on the market, not me personally, but that, that I was dealing, working with um, the uh, other agent, and it sold in two hours. A contract was accepted in two hours. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, it's just not something that we ever thought would happen. Right. Um, but it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's good. It keeps the money flowing. It keeps things moving. Yeah. Um, it's not like we're in a, everyone thinks we're in a bubble and the bubble's going to pop. We're not in a bubble. Right, right. This is just a steady. It's a fucking pandemic. Yeah. And we're it, in a pandemic. And unbelievable. The bro. pandemic. And also our, our most densely populated metropolitan cities have managed a situation very poorly on each coast oh, pretty yeah. much the entire coastlines and people are fleeing san francisco is like a scary ghost town dude la is a scary ghost i just went back to uh i just went back to sonoma county a, a couple weekends ago and i was absolutely shocked because i i hadn't gone back since i think like september uh, that was the last time i went back for like oh, a wow. weekend. but i really haven't been to california pretty much the entire pandemic Look like shit right? out there it was just weird. Like, you know, I grew up in Petaluma and Petaluma is like a fucking booming town. It's popping, like, huh? The amount of blue jean millionaires, the economy, it's like right next to wine country. It's right outside the city. It's much cheaper than the city. still expensive. The Sounds schools like are fun. really good. It's hella. Oh my God. Like, yeah, it is. It's so fun. It's out of control. But, um, and I went down there and at first I was like, you know, I was driving through downtown. There's a fucking ghost town. That's so weird. It's like 75 degrees. It's a beautiful fucking day. And I'm like, man, this is weird. Such a weird feeling, huh? All the shops, all of them. Closed? All of them closed. Really? And then it's like people who are walking around, people walk around like broad daylight with masks on. Outside? Oh yeah. Oh my God. They like enforce social distancing in stores. Inside source. Like you have to be six feet apart from somebody. Yeah. And like main streets, they look like fucking FEMA camps are set up because it's like they just, I went two weekends ago and just that Monday was when they finally opened up outdoor restaurants. That's terrifying. It's outdoor? Been like a, it's been like a year. Oh my goodness. And How do they sustain it? It's, I don't, I mean, that's why, I mean, you know. They're in trouble. Yeah, I mean the economy, these small business owners, these shops. How are they keeping? How are they going to keep their doors open? They're not. There's a lot. Like I know, I got multiple homies in Petaluma alone in Santa Rosa that have shut down completely. You know. I wonder if a lot of people lost their homes. Um, I mean, I'm sure. I mean, I know. Well, there also, was... it's it's very strange because like a, there's a there's a huge population that makes more money than they did before off unemployment. Oh yeah, way more money. I mean, when I was making unemployment in California, I was rolling in the dough. Yeah, it was trippy. It was nice. I I, I wanted to, I wanted to kill somebody. Like yeah, my, you I know bet you were mean? pissed. Like, huh? you didn't get none of that. You know, like we we won't say who, but there was someone who was very close to me. You know what I mean? Who was making a certain amount of money, and that certain amount of money dictates on how I de deviate my money. Oh no! And all of a sudden, this person goes on unemployment, and I was like. Oh my God. Bitch, you're almost making as much as money as I am. <laughs> yeah, no, unemployment was paying for a second, but you know what? That's going to come back too. Right, exactly. The unemployment, the stimulus is all of it, is going to drive the value of the dollar down. Right. All it's that's a trip. I mean, they're printing money. That's for damn sure. That's they're what they're doing, is printing money. And I don't think we've seen the true hit of inflation. I mean, I hope that it bounces back and I hope that there's there's some infrastructure put in, but, you know, it was, a, it was obviously a global pandemic and some places handled it better than others and, you know, we won't really know how well it was handled until we, we come out the other side completely. This shit's going to be in the history books. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is fun. what they're going to be studying about. You know, we used to read about, you know, the Spanish influenza and the plague and right. plague doctors. They're going to be pictures of us. Yeah. You and me. There's going to be pictures. In a mask. Of, there's going to be pictures <laughs> of L.A. like 
you know, two years ago, just this booming city. And then now it's just like ghost town tents and fucking the amount of homeless people in L.A. are out of control. Oh, it's unreal. It's unbelievable. The amount of masks floating in the ocean right now. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. Oh, it's Fuck. like un- it's, it's unimaginable how much. So if someone were to be coming out here and someone were to be looking into something in this area, how, how exactly is it that we find you? Especially because uh, I know that your your target is is, you know, those first time those those buyers. You know what I mean. And and like you said, you're somewhat of a population. You want to make sure that people who are you know first time buyers or something like that feel comfortable, and maybe they don't have all the resources or all the knowledge um, available. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what I want to be for people. Mm-hmm. You know, rich people, poor people, people ready to buy, people that think they're never gonna buy. I want to be a resource. Right. Um, and I'm happy to work with anybody and everybody that needs help. Right. You don't have to pay me for me to help you. That's kind of the cool thing about, well, not cool for me, but cool for you guys. Right, right. Um, so if you want to get a hold of me, you know, I have phone number. Should I put my phone number on here? Sure. I mean, I, you got it on fucking business hey cards. Everybody, Madison Riccio Realty. Yeah. <laughs> so you can always call me, 775-276-9671 for anybody that's listening. Or follow me on Instagram or, you What's know. What's your at on Instagram? Um, at Madison Riccio Realty. Okay. So Madison is M-A-D-I-S-O-N Riccio R-I-C-C-I-O. Beautiful. So I'm here to help. Um, Facebook as well? I do have a Facebook. I need yeah. to get more active on Facebook. More I feel like it's on for Facebook. like. The, I know Ricky loves his Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> it works, man. Ricky Sims Facebook. And then uh, what about, you got Twitter? Uh, not for real estate. Not for Don't real estate. Don't look at my Twitter. Don't look at the Twitter. <laughs> Copy that. We'll cut that. We'll cut that out. We'll cut, cut, that, that out. cut that part out. Yeah, so I'm I'm here to help. I'm here to be a resource. Um, you know, I'm sure Ricky will post a picture of my Instagram or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that business card's going up. That business card, baby. That headshot, that headshot is money, baby. Oh my gosh, I've looked at it so much, I hate it now. Oh I'm come like, on, it's good. I look like I'm forty. That's, that's good. That was right? the point, that's right? A, yeah. After yeah. our conversation today, mm-hmm. that might be a good thing. Yeah, you know what I mean? Get exactly. Your foot in the door. So, well, thank you for coming on the show, and thank you for shining light to an industry that is a fucking hot topic right now. Yeah, absolutely. You know I mean? Thanks for having me. And yeah. Here to help if anyone has any questions. Well, beautiful. All right. Well, tune in next week. Thank you again for coming on the show. Thanks, Podcast Poppy. Thanks, everyone. Quarter Life Crisis, everyone. Today's episode is brought to you by Grimm's Exclusives, a Northern California-based cannabis co-op that specializes in indoor, small-batched, AAA-grade boutique flowers, growing your favorite exotics as well as pheno hunting for the future of cannabis. Big shout-out to Grimm's. Big shout-out to Grimm's Exclusives. Tune in next week for a brand new episode of Quarter Life Crisis.